This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air. Tēnā koutou e te whānau, nau mai haere mai ki te waka witi-witi kōrero marunga te irirangi ki tēa. Welcome to our show, Talking About Seeing, here on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4. Each week, people who don't see and some who don't hear as well are going to talk to each other about what makes their lives tick. We have lots to talk about, so here goes. Hello, I'm Jeff Aiken, and today, the 8th of March 2022, here at Access Radio Taranaki, we are going to record a conversation between Lance Girling Butcher and... Gene Gibson, who will be on his phone at his home in Stratford. Hi, Gene. Um, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. Just been outside and enjoying the sun out there, Lance. It's beautiful. Well, I'm Lance Schooling Butcher, um, and I'm talking to Gene Gibson, who is one of the leaders in the blind community in Taranaki, and in fact in New Zealand. And I'm going to talk to him about a variety of things that he does in the way of leadership in the blind community, education, motivation, experimentation, a whole raft of of, of other things. So again, welcome, Jean. And um, it's lovely to be talking to you on what you have described as a beautiful day in Stratford where you live. I'm in New Plymouth and we're using a telephone link to conduct this interview partly for safety reasons because of the coronavirus and partly because like most blind people Gene isn't able to transport himself around the province very easily there are buses, but today um, we're, we're on the phone. So, Gene, um, one of the questions that people always ask me is for some details on on why I'm blind, what it's like, and I just wondered if you could go back and fill in some details there. Okay, cool. Yeah, Lance. Um, yeah, basically, I've got what they call retinitis pigmentosa, which is a medical name for it. Um, it's basically in plain English is tunnel vision during the day um, and night blindness at night. Um, and it's basically what happens is your sight comes in like a tunnel over a period of time and gets smaller and smaller. And by the time you uh, get a bit older, like me, uh, your lights start going out, which is called light perception. And maybe down the track a bit more, my lights go out. So, and it mostly affects the males. So, like a um, coin toss is probably the better way of putting it. Fifty-fifty uh, chance of getting it, and fifty-fifty chance of not. Or, yeah. So it's a genetic disease. Ah, uh, yes, it's it's hereditary. So you you've got two uncles in New Plymouth, I believe, who have a similar problem. Ah uh, yes, yeah, yeah, and uh, what happens now and again too is at times the females become the uh, I think what you call the carriers. Yes. Yeah. So. So how did you detect that you had it? Uh, uh, with mum, uh, she with her having uh, two, you could say brothers with her, 
she had a fair idea of what to look out for. Um, it was basically playing a game at night in the dark. Uh, I think there's rollies uh, in a packet uh, in a box, and they were chucked up in the air. And my brother and sister kept on uh, getting them first, and I was missing out. And mum thought something was up. Um, took me to get my eyes tested about the age of four, and found out I had um, the, uh, RP. Is probably the better way of putting it. So, so you've really had low vision from the age of four, or probably before. Yeah, yeah yes and no. My uh, with RP, it's sort of funny. I actually went through school. I didn't really tell anybody uh, when I was going through school. I was visually impaired or anything like that. Mainly just in case I got hassled or whatever. I actually had a license at one time, which is a no-no, but they. Um, I passed the driver's licence and got it, um, and then a lot of pressure, and I gave it up. And uh, yeah, there's good public transport uh, where I was, so uh, that w was a good thing. Do you think that impaired your ability to learn or your education? Uh, back back in the time when I used to go to school, they didn't have half the stuff we've got now. Um, we didn't didn't have um, talking cell phones, we didn't really have talking computers, and if we did, um, it cost a lot of money, and it's whether you wanted to use that sort of stuff or ever knew about that sort of stuff, uh, like screen readers, for totally blind people, magnification, and actually accepting what you've got. Yeah, it, it must have been difficult. Did you learn Braille? i done the basics of Braille, I think they call it grade one, A to Z, for a couple of things. Um, it sort of is very hard to learn, um, and I reckon it can take up to two years on an hour a day, so yeah, just the basics A to Z, really. Yes, so you mostly, you would you do the sort of things that people would, by listening, I, I presume, is that, and what sort of equipment would you do use to do that? Okay, the reason I started uh, learning Braille for was basically um, as I started losing my sight about 20, 30 years ago, um, basically for food in the cupboard. Because um, when you get a can of spaghetti baked beans and say fruit salad and they're all the same size and you can't see it properly, um, it's learned to learn. Oh, it's good to learn the basics of Braille, so you open the right can. I see. And, and, and you were obviously driving at one stage. How old were you when you stopped driving? Uh, about 23, 24. Yeah, I, I was living at home. And there was a lot of pressure from the parents, you could say. <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably their car, I guess, you were driving. And, and I was driving uh, work vans and heavy machinery and stuff like that. So, oh, so uh, where, where did you work? I worked at a variety of places over there. I, I was uh, doing new estates, um, like building new estates for water and gas, um, what, uh, doing aluminium doors and windows and stuff like that as well. There's quite quite a variety of places, but I had to, uh, how do you say, retrain? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> rehabilitate, yeah. Rehabilitate, yeah, because your side, you need it for a lot of stuff and, it's, yeah, you can't put yourself in danger. So did did, did your employer realise that, that you didn't see very well? 
uh, back then, to tell the truth, I didn't tell him. It was the difference between if I was allowed a licence, I was allowed to work. Um, and if I told him I was vision impaired, then they'd put you, maybe put you down the road. So, and yeah, I was actually accepting it. You, yeah, trying to accept that I was going blind was the hard part. Now, you're a bit of a whiz when it comes to gadgets and equipment of the kind you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. What did, did, how, how did that interest develop? Uh, part of the interest was um, I actually started working for a place uh, in West Gosford uh, when I was a teenager, actually, called Microbee Systems, and they used to build up Microbee computers, and I actually done a little bit of work experience there. Yeah. Um, and then they um, asked me back, and I actually started working for them, uh, type of thing, for a period of time um, until we came over to New Zealand to live. So where were you saying this was? Um, uh, it was over in Australia, uh, in a place called Gosford or West Gosford. I know yeah, that. I yes, did, I know where Gosford is. Yeah, I actually spent about seventeen years uh, in Australia before we come back to New Zealand. So. Now you have a very nice wife, who I believe is helps where things get to the point where you need some eyeballs to see things. Did did you meet her while you were in Australia? Yeah, and it was, it was sort of funny. It was by chance she um, uh, come knocking on our door looking for someone uh, where we lived, and there was three guys called Alan there, old Alan, young Alan, and a middle-aged Alan. And she described what he looked like and um, pointed her in the right direction. And then uh, apparently she had a girlfriend in the same place where we lived and uh, we sort of got introduced that way. So what's her name? Which one? Your wife. Oh, Narelle, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I hadn't forgotten. I was just checking that you knew. I must... No, 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 definitely no. <laughs> I must say... That I have always always reminded admired your partnership, you two, and and because you do work very closely together, both, you know, with this technology stuff and with the work you do in the community. Because um, Jean is is um, what what do you do for the church, Jean? Uh, for the uh, for the church. Yeah. I no, actually I go to church, so um, I don't actually do anything for the church, but I do stuff for other stuff like uh, testing of websites and software testing and stuff like that in my spare time when I'm not doing other stuff. Yep. Now, uh, if you're talking about Narelle, she's uh, just changed over and started working for Oscar. Oh, so what's what's that? Uh, after school care and something that begins with uh, probably relax. Re- uh, relaxation or something like that. It's a, they uh, do it from about 7 in the morning to 9 and the yeah, 7 to 9 in the morning and she goes back in the afternoons and basically runs games for the kids. Now, you are also, I believe, the chairman and she's the secretary of the Central Taranaki branch of the Blind and Low Vision Foundation, is that right? Uh, yes, yeah. So what, got... what got you into doing that? I got conned into it, to tell the truth. <laughs> no, um, actually, when we first came back to New Zealand in 1997, I think it was, um, 
Mum sort of said, well, we need some people on the community committee here. Um, so we sort of come on and we're willing to help and because uh, we're that sort of people. Um, and then after a period of time, I think Beryl left and said, Narelle, do you want the secretary job? Um, so she took over that. And then the person that was doing the um, jobs that I'm doing now um, left and I haven't been faded out since. They want us back. <laughs> well, I've heard you do a very good job, Jean. So yeah. both both of you do. So coming back to this technology business, um, I understand that uh, you have built up, well, in fact, I've used it myself, so I don't understand. I have actually used your website, which has an enormous amount of information to assist people in how to use various aids to the blind and computers. What got you started on that? Uh, basically, it started off as a, a little bit of a home page, um, just to remember information. What would happen was I was on a list called uh, uh, the NVIDIA screen reader list, and people would keep on asking the same questions, and it would come up over and over, and I sort of had a little bit of tech know-how and started putting them into a like a web page um, and it's the same with the blindness related stuff um, so then another page come together and another page and next you know um, I was buying a domain name and a website come around <laughs> So can you tell us that domain name? Uh, it is called accessibilitycentral.net um, which is spelled www.accessibility.net Net. Excellent. And and how big, I don't know how you describe the size of websites, but how much material is on there? Have you got any idea? Uh, I, not really. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just been adding to it over a long period of time. I would say not to print out any of the pages. Um, one of our members done it. She wanted the information and one of the pages was 23 pages long. You can print it out, but um, but just be aware <laughs> how many pages along because they are not like page by page by page. They're just one big long page. Uh, it's obviously searchable. Uh, not at the moment, only online. It's been something I've been looking at, but um, it's basically more to do at the time of doing it for myself, so I know where everything was, but it's logical. Every Everything should be logical on that website. Excellent. So um, you you mentioned NVDA. Can you just yep. tell people what that is? Because a lot okay. a lot of people have never heard of it. Okay, basically, what NVDA is it is a free open source screen reader for the Windows operating system, um, and it will work on computers running from. So hang on, what what's the screen reader? Ah. Uh, uh, non-visual desktop access. That's called non-visual desktop access. I, I like to think of it as what sighted people see we hear. Would that be a fair description? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. It would be whatever... Whenever you move your arrow keys around on the keyboard or mouse or type stuff, and you will actually hear it. And, and so NVD, an NVDA is, is a free screen reader, is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically like JAWS, but not with the commercial cost that goes along with it. 
um, and uh, and it'll work on computers running from Windows 7 right up to Windows 11. Um, you can have as many copies as you want. Uh, the upgrades are free, um, and there's a lot of stuff out there uh, for it as well. It's called open source software, isn't it, I think? Uh, yes, yes. So do you know the people who put it together and maintain it? Okay, the two guys that started off with it back in 2006 and seven was um, a guy called Michael Curran, I think his name is, um, and another guy called James Tay. Um, uh, Michael Curran used to do uh, software um, uh, testing for JAWS and stuff like that, and he got tired of uh, the monetary side of it, if you get what I mean, um, that people had to pay and figured they would start trying to put something together and and then there's been a lot of input from a lot of people and developers from then on. So what got you interested in it? Uh, as I started losing my sight, um, the uh, and what I mean by that is my eyesight dropped down, I went to magnification, then I went to a screen reader, it was either learn to use something or don't. <laughs> yeah. And that, so... Um, how yeah, how that, do you think... You're a bit biased, I guess, which is not to be insulting, but how do you think it compares with... And, and what is JAWS? <laughs> We'd better clear that up too. I'm just trying to think. Well, JAWS has been around for about 25 years or 30 years or whatever, so it's been around for a long time, and that's the only thing a lot of people have known. Um, we've done a lot of catch-up, and we've done it very quick from a lot of people I've spoken to uh, in the adaptive technology field. Yes. We just haven't got the price tag. So can you just, well, can you describe what, there's a thing called um, what voiceover on, on the Apple system too, and there are others. Can you just describe how a blind user would use JAWS? Uh, the, uh, or NVDA, reader. or any of them, sorry. Yeah, yeah screen reader. Um, basically, uh, You'd have your uh, screen reader installed onto the phone, so as soon as you start on whatever key combination, basically most of the time you'd be using a tab key, uh, your arrow keys, a enter key, uh, and you'd be going in and out applications. So um, if you went into a document, um, say like WordPad, you'd press Windows key, uh, would come a suggestion, press enter key on that, but this would all be spoken out to you, and as soon as you go in there, it might speak the title name, and then you could... Uh, as you type it, speak the letters or the words, or depending however you've got it set. Yep. So you can type up documents and all sorts of stuff without um, having to see the screen. Um, in a lot of cases, I have my monitor turned off, and my wife needs it turned on when she wants to look at stuff. Yep, yep. So it basically allows you to 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 read things and write things um, without even without looking, if if I want a better. Way of describing it. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the best way of putting it. Consider um, we can basically set the website and we don't have to have the monitor turned on. As long as we have the audio and we know how to navigate a computer, we can do uh, their emails, uh, play uh, games against other people. As long as they're accessible uh, with your screen reader um, and is, I've actually helped people remotely uh, fixing their computer. Uh, with NVDA and people go well we need to see what you've got to do to fix it right 
So it, it helps blind people if they if they can find a computer with um, NVIDIA on it. Yeah. They they and they and I believe you conducted a nationwide campaign to get it in libraries around New Zealand. Yeah, a, a while ago, I think it was back in two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. Um, we've uh, had the uh, Stratford Public Library up here, and they had computers put in, and uh, they were on what they called the APN network, ATRO, People's Network. That's right. Um, yep. And I wanted to use one of the computers, and they said, "Well, you can't." Yeah, it's basically the narrator or nothing. So I turned around and um, uh, uh, sort of had a bit of a talk to them and stuff like that. Uh, next, you know, they allowed me access on their computer and then it went through to the network. Um, and then that, uh, 10 years later, went to the Christchurch network and that's also on the Auckland network as well. So uh, yeah. We've got it in New Plymouth? Uh, I'm just trying to think, you used to have it in there. What happened in the last two years or three years, um, the APN network has gone to what they call Chromebooks, which is an Android-based operating system. So it was there up to a couple of years ago. So It's the <laughs> chain. <laughs> and at that time it was on 750 computers throughout the network at 50-odd locations, but... Um, because it's free, it can be dropped into basically anywhere, education networks, you name it. Um, yeah, it can be used at school. Yeah. So if someone wanted to download it, where would they go? Okay, the web address is www.nvaccess.org. Um, and when you're on that page, uh, you locate the download link. Uh, may ask you for like a donation or anything like that and if you don't want to you just click on that skip uh, donation this time and it'll let you download it to your computer so and then you can set it up from there it does have a talk-in installer as well and um, have you got any other associations with NVDA? as in I think, haven't you got a, a certificate as an instructor? Uh, yeah, about uh, probably four years ago now. Uh, one of the things they had was uh, called an NVDA screen reader certification and I basically had a go at it, passed it, and I've done it for the last couple of years and apparently after four years, I don't think it'll let me back in to do it again. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've still kept the skills up, so... Well, so yeah, well, you you have yeah, be you have become a bit of an authority on the subject. I know because I I see people um, asking you questions online and some of those ex information exchange things we've got on email. Yeah, the, the the certification probably the easiest way to describe it would be think of um, questions about your screen reader for um, desktop users, laptop users. Um, the different uh, things that can do and then wrap it all into a test of I think it was 150, 120 questions and you had to do it in 55 minutes. Now, you once came and helped me to set up my television so I could watch with audio description on. What is audio description for our listeners Okay, probably the easiest way to do it, uh, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to do it, would be 
um, in the quiet spots, uh, I'm just trying to think, it would say, and Lance, uh, say in the case you were sitting down, and it would say, and Lance uh, got up and walked across to the door. Um, a sighted person would see that visually, but we would hear it audibly in the quiet spots. Um, there's quite a few shows that have it, um, and for a blind person, if they want to know which ones are, if they go to able.co.nz, uh, they send out a weekly email with all the shows that are audio described. Uh, but um, to hear it, your TV needs to be enabled first, um, so audio descriptions could be turned on. A lot and a lot, a lot of the old DVDs used to have it, and um, um, a lot of streaming television and film now has it too. It does make a huge difference. The local cinema has headphones that you can put on. Yeah. Um, how, how does it go with copyright if I say turned on the TV and played it uh, uh, thirty seconds of a video with it on or something? That's probably better not to, isn't it? So. I, I, no, we probably would be in trouble. Um, yeah, probably, I will lead that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it, it, uh, and what I've done is when um, we've come across new members and they have a smart TV, um, we, if they're in our area, we'll enable us on their TV for them. Yeah. Um, it's on Channel 1, Channel 2 and Duke as well. So on certain shows like Hooray Street and Shortland Street and few others like that movies and and some of the streaming sites like disney uh, i think there's movies and other things on there that are audio described um the thing i like is if you've got a bad actor it tells you what the actor is supposed to be doing and feeling so, <laughs> so yeah yeah a, a, a lot of people aren't aware um on disney plus um and Netflix, and I think Amazon's probably got a few of them, uh, they do have audio scribe content, but you need to go into the audio player first, um, and there's a part usually called audio description, uh, um, and it's got to be turned on. And once it's turned on, it will stay on um, after then. But uh, not all shows are audio described, or, or maybe it's audio described, but there's a lot of content on those platforms. I've noticed there's captions here too for the deaf, so... Yeah, yes. yeah. They're starting to think about the the need for accessibility. So your next area where you have um, fascinated me is your interest in gadgets, and um, you've got your home set up, I believe, with um, all sorts of equipment for turning lights on and off and other things. Is can you describe yeah. how that works? Okay, basically, the, uh, what I've done is I've gone down what they call the smart route, um, and the the two main ones I've gone with are what they call the Google ecosystem, which uses Google smart speakers, and Amazon uh, ecosystem, which is to do with Amazon. Um, and it depends which ecosystem you go down, um, if what you add into it is compatible. So I'm just trying to think of an example. If you've got something that works with Google, it doesn't necessarily mean it works with Amazon, but if it says on the packet does, then it will work with both um, smart speakers. If you get what I mean? Yes. So a smart speaker is one that you talk to and it does what you ask. Yeah, basically uh, the two I've got here, right next to me is I've got an Amazon show, which has a screen on it, and you basically just ask it a question, 
Amazon? If I want to listen. Amazon? I just want to listen. Um, hey, Google. What time is it? 2.53pm. So basically you can ask it the weather and all sorts of questions uh, like that. And can, you give, can you give us an example of the weather? Pardon me? Can you ask it about the weather? Uh, New Plymouth or Stratford? Whatever you like. Okay. Uh, hey, Google, what's the weather like in New Plymouth? Currently in New Plymouth, New Zealand, it's 26 degrees and sunny. Today, it will be sunny, with a forecast high of 26 and a low of 18. It is a beautiful day. Yeah, and, and you can ask her when it's going to rain next and all of that sort of stuff. But the way the, <laughs> the, the smart speakers work is um, you can buy add-ons uh, that plug into... Well, they, it's not necessarily, say, plugging into your... EK system because they don't actually plug in. But uh, a good example would be my I have two heat pumps in the house and I have what they call an infrared um, controller. And what you need to do is when you buy a new item, you need to get the software um, downloaded to your phone. Then you've got to connect it to your smart speaker. And then after that, um, it, of connected to your home or um, Amazon, and then you can control it with your voice. Because I had similar experience, and usually they come with a remote that you can push buttons to achieve that. But because we can't find the buttons, we having the ability to talk to the equipment is brilliant. Yeah, and yeah. Well, um, I'm just trying to think of a better way of doing it. I can do with my heat pump. Um, I can do. High and low speeds, you can do heating, cooling, and quite a few functions on it. You've just got to remember what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> the software sometimes isn't necessarily uh, user friendly for a blind person, uh, but once it's set up, it's um, pretty usable after that uh, with your voice. So. And you control your lighting, I think, too. Yeah, um, I'll give you an example. Um, so if I wanted the lights on in my living room, I, I have uh, pendant lights here. There's three of them. Hey, Google, turn on living room lights. Okay, so it's turned on the three lights in here. Because I'm in the same room, it won't speak them. Yeah. Uh, turn on the one in the dining room. Hey, Google, turn on dining room light. All right. Turning the dining room light on. Okay, because that's in a separate room. You actually heard it. Now what I want to do is query which lights are on. And, hey, Google, are my lights off? The living room three light, the living room one light, the living room two light, the east garden light two, and the dining room lights are on. Yeah, so, lights are on. Yeah, so I can basically uh, turn on the lights and turn them off all, all with my voice. Now, I, pre I presume this is all in consideration of your wife, because if you're like me, you don't need lights. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah, I don't need I've done them all for the wife, and in a funny sort of way, we've done it for uh, security um, as well. Hey, Google, turn off all lights. All right, turning 20 lights off. So it's just turning off all the lights, and uh, yeah, in the house. 
Yeah, no, but it's like uh, smart speakers. Hey, Google, stop. They, uh, they, yeah. She loves to chat. Pardon me, yeah, yeah. And now and again, uh, like Amazon, I will wake up now and again and I'll tell you what the weather's like and I go, I don't even speak to you. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, do you find, uh, have you had it sort of suddenly start speaking to you out of nowhere? Yeah, um, now, now and again what will happen, say, with decades shades, if they do an update, then next, you know, I'm hearing the time and uh, is the time and the weather or something or other like that, and then I've just got to turn the screen off. So, Or a certain noise now and again, uh, if your speaker's too close to your TV, uh, we'll start at speaking as well. So move, move your smart speaker away from them. I have a. I've got the. I've got the other one. The, the um, not the Google one. The um, Alexa. And I find in the middle of the night when I can't find anything without fumbling around and knocking stuff off, it's wonderful just to be able to ask it what the time is or something like that. It, yeah, and I've done that multiple times. And go, oh, I've got a bit more to sleep in, or. Oh no, the wife's going to work shortly. <laughs> Got to get out of bed. Well, well, particularly because you can't see for yourself just how bright it is outside. So that you you lose that dimension in in terms of no, <laughs> in the night. Um, so that you've you've also imported some other you know as as part of your experimentation and and for your website, you've imported all sorts of gadgets. Can you? Give us a little bit of an idea about that operation. I how it was uh, started off with was just basically grabbing something for our members. Um, the reason for it was they didn't have some of the things in the country here. Is probably the better way of putting it. So, like I was, at, I was getting in um, uh, what, what would you call it? Talking kitchen thermometers and stuff like that. Um, uh, Forehead thermometers, you know, uh, and the prices were quite good, but and with Omicron and stuff like that, a lot of things have changed and you can't get half the stuff now, so, yeah. So what would be the sort of things you've imported other than thermometers? Uh, it, I'm just trying to... It, but it depends. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I often uh, brought in all sorts of things, but... Nothing, nothing like braille displays or anything like that because I'm not a business or anything like that. I was just doing it for um, just to help out some of our members. Yeah. Well, they were yeah. talking clocks and watches and and ways of weighing things. There's a whole range, aren't there, really? Yeah, well, like I was, I was um, getting, a, like, a, for example, off eBay, I was getting a talking uh, watch, um, stainless steel band with a face and stuff off it uh, for about... Thirteen, fifteen dollars new kiwi to the door. Yeah, and that say so, yeah, it is worthwhile looking off uh, offshore sometimes. But then you could have a month or so to wait, uh, type of thing. Um, but really, that that sort of stuff is more blind, uh, more for the blind foundation. See, there's the, the the liquid level indicators are a thing that. Um can help a blind person make hot drinks without scalding themselves. and yeah. so, so there's a lot of stuff to do with cooking that this equipment can help with. Yeah, yeah, like uh, the, the, the talking um, uh, 
and what do you call it, liquid level indicator. The way they sort of basically work, you stick on the side of the cup, uh, put the water in, it'll get to one level, and it'll make a uh, that sort of sound. Yeah. And then when it gets to the next level, it'll go really quick. So it's how you putting your finger in there, <laughs> or whatever. So Good demo. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I've got all sorts of stuff like um, uh, talking kitchen um, scales, uh, talking bathroom scales. I even have what you call a talking microwave. So, so if I was to press buttons and stuff like that, it's not going to do it because I turned the power off to it, didn't I? Hey, Google, turn on East Garden Light 2. Got it. Turning on the East Garden Light yeah, so basically, um, yeah, it's telling me the door's open. I heard it. Not closed. Two minutes. So if I were to press the different buttons, tell me a minute, second, or um, all of that sort of stuff, and I hear that audibly, uh, compared to uh, the microwaves you have now where you see it visually. Wow. And are they any more expensive than an ordinary one? So... They, they would be around the seven hundred odd dollars. Um, these would have come from uh, this one would have come from the UK at one time. Yeah. So it would be about uh, two fifty, three hundred pounds plus shipping. I see. But I picked it up at an um, auction for thirty five dollars. Thirty five. Thirty five dollars, Kiwi. You're a specialist in economy by the sound of it. Um, so, well, that's very interesting. Um, the other thing that uh, I'm interested in is you, you've had several guide dogs in your life. Yeah, three, yep. And uh, would you like to tell us a bit about them and some of the, uh, the guide dogs seem to be an eternal source of great stories. Okay, yeah, um, we've, uh, uh, I'm just trying to think, uh, when I got my first guide dog, I was actually um, living over in Australia. I'd actually come over here for a holiday and was talking to, you could say, an uncle um, that had one or maybe two. Um, and uh, after having a bit of a chat, he said uh, about applying for one and how it could change your life. And so I applied for one, um, done my training down in Cube uh, in Melbourne uh, with and got uh, my first guide dog called Kenny, which was a golden lab or a burnt coloured orange lab um, we brought him back here to New Zealand in about 1997 I uh, worked him for a bit longer he, when he retired I got Hurricane um, she was named Heaven at first and then she went out on the uh, field with the Hurricanes um, and since the name changed and I had her for a period of time then I'm just trying to think about uh, oh, 10 years ago oh, I might be 12, close to 12 now um, I got Apo, which uh, was a creamy white uh, guide dog with uh, sort of golden blotches on her here and there, like it was painted on. So I've had three guide dogs, um, and they've all been beautiful and got me around safely, uh, considering I can't see where I was going. <laughs> so where, where would you go in Stratford? Uh, but, um, when I was in town, uh, like a... Uh, one of the everyday walks would I'd walk up to her work, um, which is about 700 metres um, uh, from us. I'd go out there and have lunch with her every day. I'd just go out and go for a stroll. Uh, we'd go on what you call random walks, 
I say um, on the weekend, me, our mum and Narelle, we'd just park the car up somewhere and we would just go walking. And, uh, yeah, with the guide dog. So, um, and that was here in town and also out of the area, like Hara and Influence. <laughs> Did you have any adventures getting lost or...? Ah, no, no, like, uh, I've, I've been really lucky with all of my guide dogs. Uh, they've had excellent um, recall. Um, so I could turn around once they were trained to go to a place, um, uh, any place uptown that I went to, she would start indicating way before I'd go there. Um, and Or I could just say the name of the place and she would take me there and skip the rest of the shops I didn't want to go to. Right. And what about traffic sense? Uh, traffic sensor, by well, the way I look at it, I never got run over, uh, but you work as what you call a team. Um, part of the training is, uh, I'm just trying to think of the easiest way to put it, you've got to stop at a corner and try and make your dog walk out in front of a car when you know it's coming. But if she goes to pull out in front, you tell her no, just to reinforce the training. Uh, because now and again, um, uh, what's the word in, you can get lazy when you don't come across obstacles that often or overhanging branches. Yep. If you want to the same one every time, you turn around and shake, uh, stop, shake it and she'd take you a bit wider around it, if you get what I mean. So it's just re reinforcing some of the rules um, if you need to. So if, if she came to a hole in the ground, in the footpath, say, with tape around it, what would she do? Uh, she, uh, uh, depending if it's, uh, depending if it's uh, barricaded off or not, um, she would stop um, and if there's barriers around it, I'd tell her to go forwards. Um, then if she couldn't go forwards or to the right or to the left, would sort of go out onto the road. It would sort of go around the um, barrier and then would uh, come back onto the footpath type of thing. Um, so the barrier could be a car or anything <coughs> like that. So you basically work as a team uh, together. Yep. And um, what about food? Uh, with, well, uh, with food, basically, uh, the only time I fed it was basically at night. Um, uh, the way I sort of looked at it is you've got to work, you know, do your day's work before I pay. <laughs> yeah. And, and also the same sort of thing, if you're fed at night, usually uh, empty in the morning is probably the better wording. <laughs> so, and, and what about... Waste. Uh, wa uh, uh, leftovers from the dog. That type of waste? Yes. When they have um, a crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it depends if you're out and about. When I was say out and about, I'd always have a plastic bag uh, in my uh, little doggy bag, I think I called it. Um, and that was just in case. Um, so if she did, I'd sort of... Well, you had to sort of feel around for it, uh, you get the idea, and um, find it, and uh, you tie it up, and when you come across the bin, you chuck it in. But if it was at home, what some people can do is fence them into a yard, um, and and they'll leave them in there until the dog sort of goes. So, but we'll all be different, or you might have a side of partner, like in my case. Um, she would go out, say, once a day, um, and yeah, do that side of it. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's that's so. They they must be great companions too. 
Yeah, we've guide dogs, say, just like animals, and they know when you're down and um, all of that sort of stuff. And it's just having a mate there at times as well. But they can pick up, pick up on stuff. If you're unsure, um, when you're walking with them, the dog can actually feel it, and it can make them unsure. Yes. Yeah. And about yeah, um, considering I've been working uh, working guide dogs for you could say the last thirty years, um, and you could, and not being able to see where I'm going and not getting run over in the last thirty years is pretty good. <laughs> so, so I've got to do it well. So Jean, just leaving dogs for a minute. How do you feel you cope with life as a blind person? Um, in comparison with sighted people? Yeah, that, that's sort of like a hard question. It's when you start losing your sight over a period of time. Um, I'm just trying to think. That, that, uh, when you actually get over the accepting of that you're going blind and start putting things into place um, and start moving on, you do get frustrated now and again. Like, uh, I can't read books anymore, but then you've got to look at electronic versions uh, of a book or, or audio, uh, listen to it in audio. You can't use a computer, so then you've got to learn how to use a screen re reader or a magnifier. So you've got to either learn or adapt, or you just don't do anything. And then it's sad to hear some people are in that boat. And, and do you feel that we're becoming a more accessible society in terms of removing barriers for disabled and particularly blind people? I, there, are, there are improvements. Um, the ones I would really like to see more of is on websites, the labelling on websites. Or, but, um, yeah, so what I mean by that, the labelling, like there could be free buttons and if they don't have play, pause, rewind then you don't know what those buttons are if you are a screen reader user yeah. so yeah so um forms is a, another uh, one on the uh, website you go to fill in the form um and sometimes the text doesn't line up with what you're entering and stuff like that and it's just yeah it can be a nightmare sometimes but hopefully they're going through and fixing starting to fix a lot of that up now so what else bugs you? Politicians? <laughs> no, no, I'm only kidding there. <laughs> now, um, to tell the truth, the only thing I really, really miss now is public transport. Um, that's one thing I did enjoy when I was living in Australia, but being able to jump on a bus or a train and just going for a bit of a tutu. Um, we used to get free bus travel and train travel there. That sort of stuff isn't over here. Um, our buses because uh, we live in the country, run every two to three hours or something or other. So, um, yes, yeah, basically just doing that side of it. And what's the best change that you've seen, do you think? Best change as in... In, the, in, in, in how, in how things that have improved and made it okay, easy yeah. for you. Uh, well, if you sort of uh, go back to then, really since the um, cell phones have come online, um, being able to take your cell phone with you, you know, at, uh, I'm just trying to think of an example. In the old, olden days, 
the phones were what you call dumb phones and somebody like me couldn't use them. Then you got your Nokia phones and then you had to buy your screen reader on top of top of the phone. Uh, and then they went to, they brought out the Apple iPhones, which had your screen reader and magnification built into it. So they brought, started bringing the cost right down. Uh, I think I was given an example at one time for a Nokia phone of the KNFB reader, a screen reader and something rather like that, three and a half, four thousand dollars Yeah. So then when it comes to the iPhone, maybe 1100 bucks for the iPhone, another 300 for the software, and then Android phones come along and brought the prices down again. So, um, so my latest phone cost me 300 bucks, so I got the KNFB reader on it, 400 bucks. Does NVDA so, work on a, an iPhone? No. No, no. So only for the Windows operating system. So. I'm oh, sorry. Would, would it would it work on a, on other iPhones? You've got uh, screen. No, you no, don't need it on the iPhone because it's got no, screen. No. With, with iPhones, I'm just trying to think. The reason I sort of went down the Android version is I can have multiple screen readers on my phone if one of them buggers up. Yeah. Um, with the iPhone, if that buggers up or something's not right with it, you've just got to put up with it. Yes. So what, 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 like. what screen readers do you have on your phone? Uh, at the moment, I've really only got TalkBack. There was a Samsung version, but that was replaced on Android 11. Um, and I'm happy with everything um, it can do. I can basically use my smartphone um, to make phone calls, text, emails, it's basically like having a, your computer in your hand. Yep. Um, I've also got the KNFB reader software in there, GPS software, all my smart home software. Um, yeah. Can you can very, you explain what KNFB reader is? Uh, basically, it was made, uh, if I remember, by American Mob. I just can't think of uh, what they are called. And basically, it was. Uh, sort of like a camera uh, with scanner software, so you could take a picture of something or other, then it would AC and then it could read the text out to you. Yeah, so you, can get, you can get a letter out of the letterbox and, and take a picture of the page and it'll read it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's sort of like a portable scanner, but in your hand. Yep. Yep. A space. <laughs> Make everything, which is quite good. Yes. Oh, the, it. it it, it's quite bewildering, actually, the array of um, software that's available now for these machines. And yeah. It, it's just <laughs> having the money to pay for them and the skills yeah. to, and, and learning how to use them, which is where your website's been such an aid to, to society, really. Yeah, and uh, as I've sort of been finding out information or people pass me on information, um, uh, I'll put it up on my website. Um, like I might have a sample under audio description of all the different wordings for audio description for looking on a CD or maybe how to turn it on or how to turn it on a TV or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, so as, as I come across it, um, that's how the website sort of come together. <laughs> The yeah, well, it's look, thank you so much for your time today. What you have done, you know, your contribution to making life easier for the blind has been truly significant. Um, not only because you hold that group in Stratford together, you know, but through all 
the work that you've done educating people about NVDA and, and other computer and the information on your website and, um, and the contribution that your wife makes towards helping with these things too. Um, you're very, very valuable members and, and we as fellow blind people appreciate it. Um, just for the information of listeners, um, we, we have a, a gathering of the more active members of the foundation at the rooms every first Friday in the in the month, and Gene often comes along and describes his latest gadget <laughs> and uh, or his latest find in software and shares them with people. Um, that that's where getting people with similar disabilities together can be such a valuable business. But thanks, Jean, and thank your wife for what she does too, and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Oscar, would I be able to add a little something in uh, that people may not be aware of uh, before you end? Certainly. Okay, um, if people, when they go out and buy their new TVs, um, a lot of the smart TVs have what they call uh, software built into it like your iPhone and uh, your Android phone, um, and it's usually found under the accessibility uh, section on the TV. Uh, in the case in the TV in front of me, it's got a screen reader built into it, and when I uh, uh, turn it on and flip the channels, it'll say channel one, 730 to Coronation Street, it'll speak the button levels, uh, it'll tell me a short thing about the show, it'll let me record shows and watch them back later on. Um, and that sort of stuff has been built into TVs. Uh, same with audio description, uh, magnification. You've just got to go in and turn it on. Um, sometimes you've got to go hunting a little bit for the software, or not software, um, to see if it's built in. Uh, in most cases, uh, it will be. Um, and, yeah, it's better than the old days, or the old dumb TVs, I think you'd call them. Can I add a bit to that too? Um hey. I'm a great radio listener and one of the problems I have with modern radios is tuning them because often it's just a, a, a dial in with digital numbers on it. Mm -hmm. but, but with the, the latest smart speakers, you can actually ask for a particular radio station like BBC World Service or Radio New Zealand National and the speaker will tune into the website, not the broadcast channel, uh, and you'll have it uh, live on there. There's a delay behind the actual what's going on, but uh, I use that for all sorts of things, listening to rugby and cricket and the news and and documentaries. It's So, you know, it's not just TV that's benefited. It, radio has taken a huge step forward. The hard yeah. part... The hard part in New Zealand is they keep changing the names of the radio stations and it took me almost a month to find out where cricket had gone to recently. Yeah, so sometimes it's easy just to look up online and get a list of radio stations and to try that with the speaker and see which one comes up. That's right, yes. Well, look, thanks, Jean. We'll, I'll leave you in peace to enjoy the beautiful day that your um, machine has told you is out there and catch up again soon. Yes, cool. I might go watch some heroes on TV or that, that I recorded earlier on. <laughs> okay. Okay, catch us later. Tēnā koutou ku wai wahi ki tēnā kaupapa. Hairi i runga i nā manākitanga. Ka kitiano e te whānau. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. 
This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air.